For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Finally, some good news. Thursday, September 27th on CBS, the comedy that took on the world and the legendary voice that changed the conversation, Murphy Brown, is back. I will insert here my own personal testimony, which is that the Murphy Brown show was one of the shows that sort of formed my idea of what it meant to be a female journalist. So I'm super excited about this reboot. Emmy winner Candace Bergen returns to lead the charge, along with original castmates Faith Ford and Grant Shod. This time around, Murphy anchors a new morning news show that tackles the issues of the day. And she's going head to head with none other than her grown son, Avery played by Jake McDorman. Tyne Daly and Nick Dodani round out the cast in what promises to be the funniest of the moment comedy from original creator Diane English. Check out trailers, interviews with the cast, and behind-the-scenes footage at cbs.com slash shows slash Murphy dash Brown and facebook.com slash Murphy Brown CBS. No matter which way you lean, funny is funny and Murphy's back bringing the laughs. It all starts Thursday, September 27th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, 8.30 Central on CBS. Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and welcome to With Friends Like These, where we talk about the differences between us without letting them divide us. My guest this week is writer and comedian Trayvon Free, who I have known for long enough that I do not remember how we met. I think it may have been Twitter. Uh, We also have mutual friends at The Daily Show, where he has worked. He's also worked at The Ringer, where I have friends. He now works on Samantha Bee's show, and I know people there. Uh, In any case, I was going to talk to him about comedy, because that is the main way that I know him. And I was excited to talk to him about the impact of the Me Too movement on comedy, the impact of sort of generalized wokeness on comedy and social justice. Uh, But that is not what we talked about. He will have to come back to talk about those things. We talked about something else entirely, which is what it's like to be one of the few out bisexual black men in the entertainment business today. And how, as a kid growing up in Compton, he navigated his awareness of being different without knowing exactly what kind of different he was. It actually turned out to be one of my favorite interviews I've ever done on this show. And then also a perennial favorite interview, Tommy Vitor, who you may recognize from other podcasts on the Crooked Media Network. He stops by to talk about the new Pod Save America initiative, Vote Save America. And then finally, just a few thoughts from me on the Kavanaugh nomination. So... I am excited to have you on. I've wanted to have you on for a long time because uh, I want to talk to you about comedy and I want to talk to you about sports. Yeah. And uh, I was doing, you know, some research or rather more accurately, my Cracker Jack producer cat was doing some research. <laughs> and I was so excited to have you on to talk about those things. But it also turns out and 
correct me if I'm wrong here, but you are bisexual. Yes. And, and let me check my notes. You're also black. Absolutely. Turns out those two things can coexist. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm going to toss it to you. Do you want to talk about those things? I can, anything. You You, you tell me. We'll do it. Well, because, you know, I only ask because you have actually been in the news a little bit lately because of this show you're working on. Yes. And which is called, tell us about the show. Uh, show's called Him or Her. It's based primarily on my life, my dating life, um, and with some fictionalized elements, of course. But um, yeah, it's just a show about what it is like to be black, male, bisexual, dating in America in 2018. And I actually, I could just let you start there, because what is it like? Um, it's complicated. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking, like, life is already complicated for for the things that we already know about you. Yeah, it, you know, it it makes it makes dating a lot harder. Most specifically because, like, I'm what they would call or consider like Kinsey three. So I'm like right, <laughs> right in the middle. And I have, like, basically no preference for any particular gender. You're in the middle of that side. Yeah. And right. so... Not in the exact middle. So you're not, like, a five. No, no, no. I'm, like, I, I, I'm just gender blind at the, it, basically. <laughs> so it, it really... It can really make things a lot more difficult um, when you're dating because, like, you end up encountering people who feel different types of ways about who you are as a person. And some people love it and are completely fine with it. Some people have a lot of questions and you feel like you're like being interrogated in like Guantanamo Bay. And mm. um, yeah, it just, it's all over the place, but it it's lended itself to some really great like instances and stories in my life. And I felt like there was no representation of me on TV anywhere. And so I took it upon myself to try to create a show. And in the copious research that I did, someone uh, pointed out that actually it's really strange that there's not more representation of male, um, black, bisexual people because it's a kind of big proportion of the LGBTQ community. Yeah, it's 52% of the community is us. Yeah. And <laughs> you would think we were like these, like there was like seven of us in the whole world, the way TV looks. Yeah, I can actually, like, off the top of my head, like, I cannot think of anyone. Yeah, I did a panel for Out uh, Outfest, and it was about bi-representation in media, and it was me and five women, <laughs> and they uh, one of the questions was, when was the first time you saw yourself represented on TV or in film or in media? And... Everyone had an answer except me. And and I said, I've never seen it. And I threw it out to the room. And I was like, anybody in here ever seen uh, a character in anything? And no one had an answer. <laughs> yeah. So so that basically you'll be it. I will be apparently. A lot of people. Yeah. I'll be the beginning of this hopefully uh, larger thing that happens. And I asked you if you wanted to talk about it because I also know that there is it's not always fun or good or freeing to be the representation yeah i mean it's it's one of those things that like over time when i discovered there was so little of it it was just like well i guess someone has to do it and i don't mind being the one doing it if 
no one else is. I'm like I'm, I hope to inspire more people to to get on board and, and get comfortable and feel feel good about it. But I mean, there are people in the industry who uh, are fairly well known people who refuse to be out about it, and uh, I wish that would change. It's such a weird time for people to feel like they still should be in the closet um, or that it's like not safe um, because those numbers is what makes it safer. (laughs) The more visibility you have, the easier it is to exist. Um, But yeah, I think as far as I know, I mean, I've talked to so many people about it. Like, do you know anybody? Do you know anybody? And and like, (laughs) no, (laughs) I... I was talking. I talked to Lena Waithe about it, like recently, like at length, and I'm like, we were literally trying to figure it out, and there was like, no one. The closest we came to a name was like Frank Ocean. It's a good one. That's a good yeah. name to have in your back pocket. Man, that yeah. was the closest we came, and like, he, I don't even know if he's confirmed he's by, or we just kind of like infer from the information he puts out. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just me and Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's good company, Which but you're I'm right. That's very that's, happy to share the table with him. That that's not a lot of people. And I'm curious, do you think it's something about bisexuality in particular that keeps some people in the closet like they might be more comfortable coming out as gay or sometimes you hear queer as kind of a, you know, coverall? Yeah, I I I think it's in part at least due to the the stigma that's existed around it for so long and people wanting you to be in one box or the other and people not willing to not being willing to do the work of you know explaining uh what or or who you are as a person and finding it easier to just do one or the other because I get messages from people who are still like closeted about their bisexuality who are like, it's just so much easier for me to do this one thing or like I don't want to have to like uh, tell my family or whatever the case may be. And it when you couple that with you look at for however long the last like 10 or 15 years being bi has been basically a a joke on TV shows and and things like that where it's been dismissed as like not a real thing and even people like Dan Savage like only in the last couple years decided to acknowledge that it was a real thing and I think that makes it harder for people to want to speak up about it when they're like why put myself through this when I can just either be one or the other. I can be in one box or the other box straight, or I can appear to be straight or appear to be gay, depending on who I, like, settle up with. Um, but I think, for me, I I want to be as visible as possible so that people can start to free themselves. So as someone who knows you in person, I can say that you are hard to ignore. Um, <laughs> you are a very <laughs> tall, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> imposing physical presence. Um, and and uh, I'll just, you know, forgive my gender normativity here, but you're, you're definitely like a, a dude's dude in no, the way yeah. you present yourself. I mean, I, you're I, a former, former Division One athlete. Yeah. Like, you're, I mean... Take, uh, take it how you will. I would say that you're a dude. I don't mean that as any kind of insult. No, I mean, I talk about that. I talked about that um, 
yesterday, actually. I don't know what was what was I who I don't know if I was doing an interview or something. You're doing so many interviews. Uh, we forget <laughs> who you talked to. Uh, We're gonna forget you talked. Oh no! To me. Actually, funny enough, I talked about it today in an interview I did this morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. But, I yeah. get it. I get it. You're in demand. Okay. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> I I do acknowledge that I have a, a I guess you could call it. Uh, heteronormative privilege mm-hmm. where I don't people don't look at me and assume I'm not straight or they don't talk to me and think of me as anything and because I, I still like run into people who who don't know and will say certain things about people and I have to like tell them like you're talking to a member of that community <laughs> um, so when I was like younger in high school and things like that where I saw kids getting bullied for being perceived as queer um like i didn't have to go through that because i to them seemed like a straight guy and i was dating girls um because at the time i really didn't know anything else in terms of like i knew i was different but i didn't know what it was yet um so i never had to deal with that and i knew i was lucky to be able to go through those years unbullied um because of people not being able to quote unquote clock me as anything other than straight. And, uh, but I also like lately have been thinking about what about me uh, or my personality or even my style is a result of me also trying to protect myself from that. So like, do I dress the way I dress because I want to, or do I dress the way I dress because like growing up, that was what I needed to do to be perceived as normal or straight. Um, And like, what about me would have been different had I embraced or were were able to, to embrace my complete self at a younger age. Like you see kids now as young as like five, six, seven, eight, nine declaring their, their gender or sexuality and like what that expression would look like. If I we're declaring they don't know, which yeah, is also right. like a, a perfectly fine thing to do. Right. And I don't I don't know what part of my identity was solely built on uh, survival and protection and what part of it is actually just like who I would have been regardless. So because you grew up in this sort of heteronormative privilege and you're an athlete and you're a, in presentation you know, a dude, mm-hmm. and you didn't have bisexual representation you could look at. I am curious, what was it like discovering that that's who you were? Um, scary How did you first. begin to know? Because it isn't, it would be, it, I imagine it would be difficult to kind of figure it out. Yeah, because I didn't have any, I didn't have anything to go on. I didn't have any examples of like, oh, this person, I'm like that person. Like, I didn't right. have that. Like, so it was very difficult in the, up until like 14, 15, 16, when I knew there was something other than attraction to women, which I like, I know, I was like, I know I'm not gay. I know what gay is, but I've never really heard about any other types of sexuality. And it's like I know I like women like at the time me and my girlfriend were having sex and I was very much enjoying it, that. It was cool. It yeah. was something you were into. So, okay. Yeah, it wasn't like <laughs> this feels weird or this is like not like what I would expect it to be. Like, no, it was great. And I knew 
I was like, I definitely like this, but what is this other thing? And I didn't have a word for it. And I didn't know, I, I knew I couldn't really talk to anybody about it. Um, cause I grew up in like a pretty religious family. And, uh, so I just kind of like spent years kind of doing my own like research and I kind of, I kind of grew okay, up. Okay. Now I have to stop you. It's a little uncomfortable, but when you say research, um, I mean, it was really just me Googling things. Okay. I was like, are you, yeah. Like, I mean. Yeah. It was just me literally. Literally like, Googling. Literally like that kind of research, not yeah. like people research. No. Not like I mean, this person, that person. No, I had no access to people. I had no access to anything other than women. Like as like, because if anyone when I was in high school was gay or, or anything other than that, they definitely weren't out about it. Right. Uh, I know no out kids from when I was in high school. Um especially like growing up in Compton. And so when I, luckily for me, like the family or the the computer in our home was in my bedroom. (laughs) So (laughs) I spent a lot of time just like Googling and reading things. And then I like started learning that there were other letters in that acronym. Mm. And also that was around the time AOL instant messenger was a big thing. And so I was also meeting people around the country or world who were also uh, in different uh, sexual groups. And then, so I kind of grew up through conversations with other kids and people on the internet and like articles about sexuality. And that kind of steered me in the direction of like, okay, there's a word for this. Now I know what it is. And now I have to figure out how to wrestle with that and deal with my like I've been fed all this religious stuff and I feel like I'm supposed to not be this now how do I deal with this and so that was kind of like what college was like it was college college was just basically me deprogramming uh the like (laughs) self-hatred and getting to the point where I was like, oh, no, like, I'm supposed to be me, and there's nothing wrong with me, and I'm awesome, and if you don't agree, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that that happened, like, maybe around 20, where I was like, I'm done fighting, like, who I am, and because it, it felt like a fight. Like, you shouldn't feel like you're fighting against your natural state of – it's like – your body wants to be alive. Like your body will do a lot to keep you alive before it can't anymore. Like that's why you can't hold your breath until you die. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like a natural uh, instincts. And so I felt like I'm fighting natural instincts. And so up until like when I got the freedom in college to explore dating guys or doing like any type of sexual, anything with guys after that happened for the first time, that's when it really kind of solidified where I was like, oh, okay, so I'm a person who very much enjoys men and women, um, and that's who I am. And, like, I'm not gay. I'm not straight. And sometimes I forget. I literally sometimes forget when I'm talking about certain things or having conversations, when pe- especially because people will ask me about men generally when it comes to things, and I have to remind myself I don't speak for straight men, mm. which I forget sometimes. Because I'm not one. So I theoretically, I ha- I don't know, I can't speak to a completely hetero male experience because I, I don't live one. 
And so, um, but oftentimes I get asked about things that are kind of just heteronormative or explaining things about men generally. And I have to remind people, remind myself, like, this is also coming through the lens of somebody who also dates men and women. (laughs) And it, it will color it. You have to take that with that grain of salt. These days, you can get practically everything on demand. I'm staying in Santa Monica. There are scooters that actually basically come up to you to be ridden. And this podcast, it is on demand as well. Listen whenever you want, whenever it's convenient for you. So why are you still taking trips to the post office to mail letters and packages when you can get postage on demand with Stamps.com? I use Stamps.com for my, I am a business now in the Trump era. I have become an LLC. Uh, So, you know, I can do business from home. I mail stuff, merch. I send uh, thank you notes. Uh, I, um, I, relay packages of contracts and galleys. I did that recently. And I use stamps.com because I don't have to leave the house. With stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. Buy and print any U.S. postage for any letter, any package using your own computer and printer, and the mail carrier picks it up. Just click print and mail and you are done. It could not be easier. And right now, there is a special offer. This offer includes $55 of free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. You just have to use the offer code FRIENDS. Do not wait. Go to stamps.com, and before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone, or in this case, the podcast microphone, at the top of the homepage, and type in FRIENDS. That's stamps.com. Enter FRIENDS. I want to back up just a second to to the the research you did and the exploring you did, because Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, you know, be transparent about my own where my mind goes there is a part of me that's like oh you looked at porn right like that's the kind of thing that you 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 do when you're trying to explore your sexuality but it really sounds like to me and it was pretty serious for you that you were reading stuff like you were like trying to figure out psychologically like who i am yeah i very clearly like i was you're looking for information and i think that's maybe something people don't realize yeah this isn't just about what feels good yeah i was like reading articles i like legit like i can still remember some of the like what they looked like (laughs) on these like (laughs) crazy websites with like weird colored backgrounds and like v- different color text that people were writing on their blogs and shit. Like I very clear, I was doing a lot of research. <laughs> like I really didn't like back then. Also, like porn wasn't what it is today. Like especially on the internet. Like this, we're talking like ninety nine. It, it was an ASCII actually. People didn't realize that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very much photographs. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So it wasn't. It wasn't doing anything for me. Like porn. Right was still very much on VHS. Um, <laughs> and I know because I had a couple. <laughs> and my mom found them. <laughs> it was still VHS and magazines. So that it wasn't like I'm on the internet. Like today, man, that would be crazy. <laughs> you could find so much stuff with a very, very basic Google search. So yeah. like for me, like you Google bisexual or you Google gay in 1999, and you're definitely not getting what you get today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm pointing it out because I'm you know trying to find a kind of a, a point of connection here, and I I'm thinking of for me when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, that explains so much. <laughs> you know, right. like it was just I had a thing right. that described my experience, right? And it just and I could like fit. I was like, I now know. What it is that I 
that I am, right. at least in this one category. Right. And I, I'm seeing is that so that was a little bit like for you, like, like, yeah. oh, this, yeah, this is who I am. It totally just like you just feel like the pieces of you have finally been like put together. The puzzle is finally like put together and now you just spend the rest of your life like mending those pieces as tightly together as you possibly can when you when you get a word for or some type of uh explanation identity or yeah, a part I, of yeah. your identity right you you get to figure out what your identity how you identify or what you or what they tell you your identity is and how you choose to then relate to it or how you choose to interact with yeah. it and I should be very clear. I'm not saying that bisexuality is some kind of disorder, but I'm just trying to think of like. No, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally but get I, it. <laughs> and I was also thinking about how, when you said bisexuality was like considered like almost literally just a joke, it was a punchline. Mm-hmm. Um, the one of the ways it wasn't a punchline, just because I have disorder in my head now, is it was considered almost like a sign of bad character. Like yeah. it's what villains were, Vi- a sign right. of a villain in like a TV drama. Right, <laughs> they like both men right. and women. Yeah, can't like, trust them, right? Right. I still like <laughs> search eBay and places, and I find really old magazines and books about, um, like, oh, I found an old Time magazine uh, about bisexual. Well, the cover story was bisexuality, and uh, from like the seventies, and I found like these old books doctors had written. And uh, uh, what was the other thing? Um, uh, it was Time Magazine. Uh, it was the there was something else I was thinking that I also found. But like, yeah, just like looking for old stuff like that to read and see what people actually thought about what it was, and it's really fascinating how just and I, you you will tell me if these questions get get too personal or uncomfortable, but um, I trust that you will. But I'm also thinking about how, like, I do think people probably misunderstand bisexuality. I think that it yeah. is, we because we don't see it, because we don't hear it talked about, mm-hmm. um, because it's the silent T right. and LG, or I silent B, sorry, right. um, and LGBTQ. Um, I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's like, you know, every once in a while <laughs> you might... Right. Get drunk at a party and kiss a guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's not what it is. No, not even not even a little bit. Like I think it's because it's a mix of for so long we've thought of sexuality as too rigid to begin with. And it's because of that that like someone at a party like doing whatever would could be branded something else is why someone who actually lives under that identity deals with the downside of it so like people who like i still get people who will like say why don't you just like come over to our side and it's like <laughs> or like what do you mean like come over to your like i'm on your side and i'm also like not on your side like it's not about like picking a team like you have a designated team and i have a designated team and it just so happens that my team uh plays in both conferences <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for how you were going to do the sports metaphor there. I would say, uh, Trayvon, you're a ringer. That's what you are. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. You, you'll that, play for any team and you're very good. Yeah, like wherever you need me, I'll go. <laughs> so it's it's because of like the history of, 
I mean, if anything, you can blame homophobia on a lot of the problems that bi people deal with because gay people had to spend so much time right. pretending to be bi to get to being gay. <laughs> and yeah. so then that yeah. became a stereotype. And it's like all you trace all the way back and it's just like we just took the brunt of all of it. And now in 2018, we get to finally start to define and clarify who and what we are uh, in our in our communities and, and with our identity. And so it's 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 still a lot of work left to do when like even today in like almost 2019 there's one of me out here doing this <laughs> in <laughs> on the on the grand stage when i know for a fact i'm not the only one you mentioned in talking about you know growing up and coming to terms with your identity that you your family's very religious and yeah. you struggled with that a bit what what happened there I mean, thinking back to when I was um, maybe early high school, um, I remember when I was still going to church with some level of regularity, there was a guy who came to our church who was like one of those reformed uh, gay guys who now has a wife. And may, I think he had a kid and was like there to teach us to like, we can, whatever's, ailing you we can be di- you can be different and i felt like i think in retrospect as an adult looking back on this i can now see all the things that were happening or like the church knew there were gay kids or or kids who were different and wanted to just blanket it under through the entire group of kids at the church and do it as like a catch all and i remember going to this thing and no like hearing his story about how he used to be gay and a, I think drug addict and all this stuff. And then he like, God changed him. And I remember at the time being so afraid of hell and all those things where I was like, maybe like this guy can like help me like figure out <laughs> how, maybe to, he can. Right? How, to not, <laughs> how to not be this. And like, I would love to know where that guy is today, by the way. But, um, I remember telling him, I remember him saying something about, like, if you want to talk to me in private or whatever, uh, like, feel free or whatever. And I remember telling him, like, I feel like I'm struggling with my sexuality. And his response being, it was because my dad wasn't around. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like, I didn't know any better. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, maybe, maybe that could be, I'm not a scientist, but I, you're a grown up who's a reformed gay and I'm just like, like a kid. So, um, at the time I was like, okay. But then as time went on, I was like, that's just, just not right. Like that just can't be like, this is only getting stronger as I get older. Mm -hmm. And so once I got, uh, out of. When I got to the point in my life where I didn't have to go to church anymore, I stopped. And I just got tired of hearing certain things about gay people and hell and all that stuff. And Yeah, that can get old, yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah like sure. you're just like, I'm having a hard enough time on my own, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, spare me. Um, and so when I got to high school, I remember 
my cousin, I hadn't gone to church in a while. My cousin asked me to go to church with her. And by this time, I had already just like finally cleansed myself of the religious part. I just spent like the first two years of my college life just deprogramming and like meeting other gay people who were like out and happy and like accept, had accepted who they were. And I was like, I want to be that. I want to be free of every single day feeling like there's a God hovering above me who's just looking down on me in shame. And and it's like, why? well, then why did you make me this way <laughs> if, mm-hmm. if this is so bad? And then over like days and months of thinking these things, you, I finally was just like, enough. Like, I've had enough. Like, I, if, if this is what gets me to hell, fuck it. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh boy, you mean that quite literally? Yeah, okay, like, right. <laughs> like we are fucking going out right. guns blazing. <laughs> I'm gonna have all the fun in the, while I'm living this life. It's gonna be amazing. And then uh, by that time, I just I started to slowly put myself into queer spaces where, like, I wasn't afraid to be around people who were. Uh, gay or lesbian so that because people might think I was which was like a fear in the beginning and then like my best like one of my best friends still today uh, who's lesbian we went to I went to Long Beach State and we went to like Long Beach Pride together with like a group of us and I had like the best time and I did that thing where I ran into a person from my class who also wasn't really like out and we had that moment where we're like you you like that Spider-Man meme yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) we were just both pointing (laughs) at each other in the Spider-Man costume (laughs) and then we had that acknowledgement of like yeah like this is what this is what these years are for right (laughs) and so over time, I just became more and more comfortable where, like, I was telling friends and people close to me, but I wasn't, like, going around telling everyone. But also, if people knew, I wasn't going to deny it. And by that time, uh, I hadn't gone to church in a long time. And my cousin had invited me to come to her church because her and her, her family are, like, very into church. And um, she knew that I hadn't been gone, going and she wanted me to, like get back into it and the the so I decided to go with her one Sunday and at the end of the service the pastor asked everyone to stay because he had an announcement and the announcement was that they had discovered that someone who was working in the church uh in one of the leadership roles who also worked with kids was gay and that they wanted this person to leave their post and they didn't say them by name <clears throat> Excuse me. They didn't call him out by name, but uh, I found it to be so offensive <laughs> and so gross that one, by doing this publicly, when this person does leave their post, everyone will now know who they are. And every member of this church will know what person is no longer in charge of what group they've been in charge of <laughs> for however long previous to this. And it just reminded, I felt like that happened on purpose. Like I needed to be there that day to have that experience. And that was the pretty much end for me. And I didn't find anything religious until late and like maybe around 22, 23, when I started reading more just general spiritual type stuff. Um, it had nothing to do with any particular dogmatic type religious 
or religion or anything like that, where it was just like, here's a way to better yourself mentally and spiritually and think of God in a different way. And that kind of reshaped my relationship to uh, to God and quote unquote religion. But as far as going to a Baptist church or anything like that, I was like, I was just done with it. <laughs> Um, Michael Arsenault was on the show a couple weeks ago, and he has, I think, a kind of similar experience. Mm-hmm. Um, although he also says that God is is still really important to him. Sure. Uh, yeah, I read his but, book. He's great. I love Michael. Yeah, <laughs> he's great. He's great. Everyone should buy his book too. Um, I guess everyone is buying his book. Yeah. I believe it's a bestseller. bestseller. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so part of your story that I'm really curious about is that you did come into your own in college, which I'm going to be, for me, that's young. Like it took, I, I was very late bloomer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you came into your own, you decided to be who you were, despite the fact that you didn't see a lot of people like you. Right. And where do you think that came from? And I'm going to give you just a, a little bit of like a, I'm going to throw out a line if you want to take it, which is, I wonder if your sense of humor is playing a part in that. I I think you I think you might be right. I think it does definitely it's hard to do comedy and be funny and because that that it comes from such a, a deep place within your identity and it's such a big part of who you are but I think I think that definitely played a part in it cuz it's something you can't when you're thinking about how you view the world you can't take that lens off. Um, so I would I would agree. I think it's that, and I also think it it's partly because I grew up, whether it was like a good thing or bad thing, with uh, not a lot of fear because mm-hmm. of where I grew up. So like I kind of almost became numb to what it meant to be afraid of things. Like it's almost like I've broken my body's defense mechanism that would probably save my life which is like when I'm supposed to be afraid I'm not kind of thing like those people who like can't feel pain and they'll don't know their hands on a hot stove or something um because I saw so much crazy stuff growing up like I've seen people be murdered and I've seen literally like everything you can imagine um and so when you're that close to that kind of stuff you one realize how short and how precious life is and how quickly it can be taken away. But you also, you're like, if that, if watching what I've seen in one instance in my life, which is like a group of people literally be gunned down with an assault rifle, uh, if that doesn't scare me, like what is like just owning up to who I am even though there's no one for me to look to and just like doing just seeing what happens like it's if growing up where I grew up couldn't kill me like this can try (laughs) (laughs) um I don't know I don't know how successful you'll be but it was just like I I had I had people around me who just were what they were and when I got when I felt like I got to a safe place where I could at least start to explore what it was and figure out what it was and then be around people like my best friend Sasha, uh, who's lesbian, and like other friends of mine who are queer. Um, it it made it 
easy for me to go, yeah, like, this is me. And even though I don't see anybody like me, I think I, I think I, this year I made two friends. I made one friend who <laughs> bi this year. It's, I know one other black bi man <laughs> who's a friend who we became friends this year. And up until then, it was like, I didn't know. I know a lot of bi women. Like, there's, they're everywhere. <laughs> mm. And they're out and they're proud. Um, but I was just soldiering along, like being me. And do, I, I felt like there came to a point where I had to stop looking and just start being. I had to decide, like, when you look at history, somebody had to be first or second or the first visible example of something. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to think of myself as this like uh, grand person or like whatever you want to call it. But the Jackie Robinson of bisexuals. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Right. Like if that's who I have to be, <laughs> like I'll do whatever I'll do it. Um, and hopefully we can get people to follow suit um, because it, it really is, in some ways, like uh, an isolated experience to not have it, to not have someone to talk to about it who can relate in that same way. Um, I mean, to, to also to that point, I don't know a lot of bi white men either. I know a lot of gay men, um, black and white, um, but not a lot of bi of either. And I know they're out there. <laughs> I think they're just waiting for you, Trayvon. I I'm, think. I'm here, guys. All right. <laughs> I feel like we need to do like our own Coachella or something just to like get us all in one place and exchange emails. A group text. Yeah, I think. like a That's massive that... group text. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate you coming on. You are always a joy to talk to. Oh, thank you so much. Would you buy a shirt for $50 if you knew it only cost $7 to make? I wouldn't. You probably wouldn't either. And with Everlane, you never overpay for quality clothes. Everlane only makes premium essentials for men and women using the finest materials without traditional markups. And they tell you their real costs so you know you're never overpaying. Everlane wants you to know what you're paying for and why. They are radically transparent about every step in their process from the materials they use to the ethical factories they work with. On Twitter once, I had a listener actually, like, at them because they said they couldn't find, like, the provenance of the shirt. And Everlane responded and with a whole, like, little sheet about where the shirt came from and who made it and everything. They are incredibly transparent and they sell directly to you. So their prices are 30 to 50 percent lower than traditional retailers. Everlane's clothes look better, cost less, and last longer. Essentials like their Cotton Crew tee are exactly what they should be. Simple, stylish, and made from quality materials. I am a fan of the silk short sleeve square shirt and also the mid-rise jean. The mid-rise is neither high nor low, but exactly right. Mid-rise. I also like um, their shoes, the uh, day heel, which has a really high vamp, which apparently some people don't know what that is. I did not know what it is, but it covers your whole toe. There is no toe cleavage showing in the day heel. Everlane's timeless essentials are just what you're looking for. No frills just quality. And right now you can check my personalized connection at everlane.com slash friends. Plus you'll get free shipping on your first order. That is everlane.com slash friends, everlane.com slash friends. Have you ever thought about starting a blog and you're lying if you say no, it is the year of our Lord 2018. You have thought about starting a blog. You also probably have products or services to sell because it is the gig economy. You have products or services to sell. 
Maybe you have a business promote, which if you have products or services to sell, well, that would be a business. You might even have an upcoming event to announce. And that actually genuinely, like that could be like a wedding or something. But you can't do anything without a website these days. And so if you need a website, you can make it a reality with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to create a stunning website by yourself using beautiful templates created by world-class designers. I actually was using Squarespace before they became a sponsor, and the thing that I liked about it was, in fact, they have lots of different templates. Uh, They're all really cool-looking. The ones I like are kind of minimalist, but they have lots of different ones. Um, And they are easy to tweak, too. So you don't—it's off the rack and yet also tailored to you. And with the Squarespace, the power is in your hands to really make it your own. You can customize, like I said, the look and feel, the settings, the products, and everything with just a few clicks. Sell anything you want online thanks to Squarespace's powerful e-commerce functionality. Enjoy free and secure web hosting, built-in search engine optimization, and analytics that help you grow in real time. And with Squarespace, you never have to worry about glitchy-looking mobile interfaces because everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. Keep dreaming but make it a reality and make it stand out with a website from Squarespace. Now head to squarespace.com slash friends for a free trial when you are ready to launch. Use the offer code friends to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, head to squarespace.com slash friends. You will get a free trial. And when you are ready to launch, use the offer code friends and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hi, hi, Tommy. Hi, welcome to LA. I know we're in the same studio. It's so nice to see you. It's it's good to be here. The offices are amazing. A little bigger than the last one. They're bigger and 100 percent rat free, except for the human ones. <laughs> uh, we had a bit of an infestation at the old place. We had a toilet that exploded and destroyed the place below us, and you couldn't flush while we were recording. So yeah, it was it was not a perfect office. Listen to the segue. So speaking of like bigger and better things. <laughs> yes. Speaking of like grand plans. Speaking of expanding. Yes. Democracy. Democracy. Tell me about this thing. And I was going to say the other segue I was going to use is that since I'm not in the home office very much, I'm ignorant of a lot of the bigger crooked media plans. Apparently, you guys have an HBO deal, too. So interesting. To- <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that whole thing. <laughs> anyway, um, tell me. Voting. About voting. So one thing we hear all the time from people, a couple things. One, my vote doesn't matter. doesn't make a difference either way. Two that the process can feel a little bit intimidating. Like uh, registering can feel a little bit harder than you think. Finding your polling place can feel hard. Uh, it's Maybe it's hard to get off work in a day. So what we wanted to create was a website, votesaveamerica.com, that is like a one-stop shop for how to register to vote, how to pledge to vote, how to find out if you're registered if you're not sure. Tell me more about the pledging to vote. So you just you click a, you click a button and you pledge, and we get your email and we'll remind you. Okay. And then in the same site, you can find all kinds of volunteering activities and and opportunities near you. So if you live in Texas and you want to knock on doors for Beto O'Rourke, you can do that. If you want to knock doors for your congressional candidate, you can do that. You can find all those things all in the same place. And if you live in a safe place, as they say? You can find ways to make calls from... Because I live in Minnesota, Minneapolis, so... Well, so you guys have some cool congressional races, but I mean, you, you could make you could make calls. Uh, you could find a phone bank to make calls into wherever you want. Right. Uh, and then, additionally, um, there are some very cool and competitive Minnesota races. There really are. Right. You guys yes. have some good stuff going on. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, lastly, it's not ready yet, but you will be able to get a sample ballot that explains to you who's on 
the, the ticket in plain English, all kinds of ballot initiative information because those can be weird and complicated. You're like, what is a bond on Prop 4 to, you know, like, write stuff like that. We try to write it in plain English. And you can get a sample ballot and fill it out so that when you go into the voting booth, you're not ticking through lots of stuff, unsure what to do. You've, like, pre-prepared it. And you would de- that be right down to the very local races? Yeah. Yeah. Like, for state legislature? Yeah. Wow. Because that's, that's the stuff that I think I, even as a seasoned political reporter, when it gets down to the super local races, my excuse is, well, I'm paying so much attention to national races, so I don't yeah. have time. But, like, I think that imagine for just the casual kind of consumer of political news. Yeah. Directions on how, if we can cut this together, sure, it might yeah. make sense. But, like, I think you guys could be pointing towards people, resources for finding out more. Yes. I mean, the, the in... in it's funny, when we were first talking about creating the site, my response was, how does th- this doesn't already exist? And mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't because it's actually really complicated to pull together information from 50 states because voting state-by-state rules are different. Deadlines are different. Deadlines change week to week. You know, Tanya and Shaniqua and, and Nikki and our team, like they were, this this whole team was building this this site and pulling together information, like literally calling Secretary of State offices in various states to try to get it all and it is incredibly painstaking like data entry that took time and effort but i think it will be invaluable it does speak to the fact that our process isn't that great (laughs) uh but um i really think people will find it useful we're trying to make it easy we're trying to help people understand that matters and just talk about the stuff in in plain English that they can understand. I think people don't understand that it is unusually and unnecessarily difficult to vote in America. It is, right? Like that it, because it is uh, considered a state level issue, states make uh, because you guys talk about this and we because voter registration and, and um, voter access has become more a part of like the Democratic Party's mm-hmm. like top line level issue, people may know this, but it is really a patchwork. It's of patchwork. accessibility, a patchwork of like what the rules are, of who, like of how things get, you know, proportioned. And it seems like it's always changing. That's because it often is always right. changing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like if you live in California, you can get a ballot sent to your house. You can fill it out and vote by mail. And it's the most wonderful well. way to do it. Yeah. It's a great way to do it. Some states have same day registration, but in some of those states, you uh, have to register somewhere different than you vote because that makes no sense. So, we're not explaining this stuff to re-intimidate people, but to say these rules, uh, these deadlines and things will be spelled out and we'll make it as easy as we possibly can. And I guess I'm saying it because if you thought it was, if you were intimidated, well, that's because you were supposed to be. Yeah, right. It's because there are people right. in power, the states that have the really complicated systems. Tell me, tell me, Tommy, do they have something in common? Yes. Are they, is there <laughs> the weird like Venn diagram where we can see states that have overly complicated voting yeah. systems and what they might have in common? I think there is. I think uh, <laughs> for some reason, Republicans don't want young people, people of color, uh, people that people, aren't rich to vote. People who have uh, accessibility, access yes. you know, access problems with other things. Mm-hmm. You know, they have trouble getting yeah, to polls. Disabled. Yep. Uh, and sometimes they even cynically use the, uh, the disabilities laws to make it harder to vote. Oh, and if you've ever had any brush with the law, well then... God forbid. (laughs) (laughs) Right, you can be in Congress, uh, but you can't vote for it in a lot of these states. It is, I mean, and this is the most cynical thing that has happened in over the decades. And it's, it's, I think, the number one issue that's the most voters experience and yet don't realize is a is a political problem that they could solve. That's right. 
that they have a say in. They have a say in. And, and this year's a big year for a variety of reasons. Uh, there, you know, it's, it obviously just matters in terms of checking Trump, but it also matters because we're about to go to a census year, so they'll be redistricting. So all the gerrymandering we complain about uh, will get addressed on a state-by-state level. But also, like, if we vote for a lot of great Democratic candidates for Secretary of State positions, they can help put forward laws that make it easier to vote, that reduce some of these voter suppression tactics and, uh, you know, level the playing field a bit. I will repeat the thing that I said after Trump was elected that I I wanted to be wrong, but still sometimes kind of rears its ugly head in my Mm -hmm. most paranoid fantasies, which is I do feel like the Republicans often behave like a party that thinks it doesn't have to worry about winning fair elections anymore. Yeah. That's right. It, it, it's it's hard. It's so frustrating. It, these they're very good at consolidating power once they get it with these undemocratic uh, tactics, and it takes extra work to fix those. Yeah. So that's why register to vote, everybody. Vote Save America. Vote Save America dot com. We built this ha- thing. Offer code friends. No. Oh yeah. wait, sorry. <laughs> there's no there's no commerce associated. It's a it's a gigantic sunk cost that we just think is important. So no offer code. Please right. God. Sorry, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Offer code uh, friends. Friends. All right. Please vote. All right. Vote first. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you. Great to see you. So just a few final thoughts today. First of all, I want to give you a trigger warning because I'm going to talk about the Kavanaugh hearing. That's supposed to happen on Monday, taping this on Thursday, should happen on Monday, may or may not happen. And I'm going to talk about sexual assault. And giving you the trigger warning is reminding me that the Kavanaugh hearing itself and all discussions of it should probably come with a trigger warning. At the very least, they should be accompanied by a banner across the bottom of our television screen with the number for the National Sexual Assault Hotline, which is, if you didn't know, 800-646-HOPE. It's one of the very sad signs of the time I now have that number memorized. And I'm not kidding about the need for it. After the Clarence Thomas, Anita Hill hearings, reporting of workplace sexual harassment went up 79%. After each report about a high-profile sexual predator, that National Sexual Assault Hotline sees its calls go up about 25%. And that's without many people taking into account that these discussions need to be accompanied by some kind of trigger warning or some sort of outreach to people who are being triggered. Because every time we talk about this, these allegations are triggering people. The men and women who have been through it, the victims and survivors. And I think this is true and important to recognize, but I think some of the assailants are triggered as well. The idea that this sort of national conversation we're having brings up traumatic memories for the people who are exposed to them is sometimes kind of part of our discussion. I think it's usually just taken as a given, but I actually think that people being re-exposed to memories of their own trauma is the most important thing about these discussions. We're going through a national conversation in which people are being forced to relive, re-examine, reprocess, and reevaluate things they never thought they'd have to think about again. And I know this includes survivors. It includes me. I think, and I hope, that it includes the assailants. Because I think there are a lot more people out there like Brett Kavanaugh than there are like Harvey Weinstein. I think there are millions of people, probably mostly men, who did something once that they maybe now think of as stupid or embarrassing or a mistake, 
or maybe they don't think about it at all. And because they've lived more or less above-board lives since then, they've never thought of themselves as part of the problem. We've talked before about how simply benefiting from male privilege makes one's part of the problem. <laughs> We've talked before about how simply benefiting from male privilege can make you part of the problem, but I'd like to take this opportunity to but I'd like to take this opportunity to suggest that people really dig into their memories and re-examining that people really dig into their memories and maybe re-examine that one time you maybe went over the line. Because we've gotten in the habit of thinking that men aren't really sexual predators, that there isn't really a problem unless there's a pattern, even though we recognize it only takes one experience with being preyed upon that makes a person a survivor. But if that's true, if we can agree that a person can be scarred for life by just one experience with sexual violence, then maybe we need to reckon with what that one experience means for the person committing sexual violence. For what it's worth, I don't think that one mistake, one incident, should mean the same thing as being a full-time predator. But I think it has to mean something. Because it definitely meant something for the person on the other side. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Brabble. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. ba 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 ba